Jesus my six scars. And uh, I have spoken, Pastor Linda has spoken, we have been talking about the purpose of scars in our life. Has anybody ever had a scar in their life? Ever had a scar scrape, a bump, a bruise, and it stays there? And sometimes some scars, I like to say every scar has a story, some scars remind us of the pain that we have gone through. But rarely do we remember the joy it has brought us in. Because we equate those scars with the pain, but we don't give a new definition so it can mean the joyous things that we've also had. Amen? Amen. So today I want to speak to you um, <clears throat> from a very personal matter, as well as from the scripture, just the different stories that scars can have. But I want to share something with you that God shared with me, and I want to title this, uh, uh, I want to say, message today. Uh, in scars called the human condition. The human condition. Say that with me. Say the human, the human condition. Condition. We, 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 we sometimes forget, Bishop, that that we, we don't think that God remembers that we are human. Mm-hmm. We, we oftentimes will get upset with other people when they demand so much of us and we like to tell them, man, you forget that I'm human. You forget that I'm flawed, that I'm more. You forget that I make mistakes. And, and we say that sometimes with a, with a fist, like if, like if almost they can have mercy on me or take it easy with me. But you have to understand that the creator who has created you has not forgotten that you are, in fact, human. Right. Oh, okay, I'm going to go a little bit deeper. Not, not only has he not forgotten that you're human, but I'm going to go a little bit deeper because he created you human on purpose. And it's his creation, creating you human on purpose, also places glory in you for the same purpose of what I'm about to explain to you. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> so I want to read to you a very familiar scripture from the second uh, book of Corinthians, chapter 12. Very familiar to us. And I want to share this new revelation, or if you've gotten this revelation, it's new to me, maybe it's all to you. To God be the glory. Well, I want to share this new revelation with you that the Spirit of God has shared with me that it may also help us out. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen, amen. So, if you have your Bible, grab your Bibles and stand for the reading of God's Word. I guarantee you, you will sit afterwards. I will remain standing. Y'all stand with me. And we're coming from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to read just 10 verses. Is that okay? Are you there to say amen? Amen. <clears throat> I'm going to read this and I'm going to give you a little history and then we're going to go into whatever the Spirit wants us to go into. Amen? amen? Look what Paul says in his second epistle to the Corinthian church, 12th chapter. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know. Or whether out of the body, I do not know. God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. How he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, such of which is not lawful for a man to utter. 
Of such a one I will boast. Yet of myself, somebody say myself, I will not boast except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth, but I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Mm -hmm. At least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation. There's an abundance coming to you. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. This is good. A messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Considering this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it may depart from me. And he said to me, you ready for this? Y'all ready for this? His grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Let's stop right there. Spirit of the living God, we thank and praise you, O God, for this time that you've given us, O Lord. Father, I pray, O God, that you help me decrease and you increase, O God. That we can deliver a revelatory word, O God, a word, O God, of 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 uh, of, uh, of exaltation, O God, of deliverance, O God, of repentance, O God, allowing our minds, O God, to be set free, O God, and empowered with Your Word, no longer tossed to and fro with various winds of doctrine, O God, but using the infallible Word, the unadulterated Word that You are giving us today to be strengthened, to take back the authority that Satan has taken away from us, and walk firmly. In the position that you called us to walk. Yes, Father, let us leave here empowered and not weakened by our infirmities. In Jesus' name. Jesus. Somebody say amen. Clap your hands. Amen. 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 Praise. Amen. You may take Hallelujah. the seats. <clears throat> Paul is writing his second letter to the Corinthian church. Some would say is the church that he loved the most. Because he spent most of the time there. Some would say it's the church that gave him the hardest headache. Some would say it was the, the most carnal church. Whatever others would say, Paul was constantly praying and writing to the Corinthians. In order to understand this scripture of this chapter in the 12th chapter, you have to read the preceding chapter to understand what Paul was really talking about when he was talking about boasting. He was talking about uh, uh, speaking of himself, not in an arrogant way, not in a highly way, but to bring such a revelation of what he has been through that others can get gain power from his weaknesses, his infirmities. You ever share the testimony with somebody just to get them to be encouraged? You ever share your testimony with somebody just to give them strength? You ever share your testimony with somebody that they can see that there will be a way out of your circumstance. And sometimes in that sharing, people get things twisted and they think it's you and not a God in you. They think it's you and not the anointing that God has given you. They think it's you and not the favor that God has given you. And sometimes if we're not careful, we take that, that exaltation and we take that boasting and we, we deep into ourselves and Paul is saying I want to boast about such a man but not that man. Not that man. 
Because sometimes we take scars and we call them battle scars and we use these scars as letting people know that listen, I was a tough cookie back in the day. Look at this incision right here. That's when somebody hit me with this. Or when I had a broken heart, I'm here to tell you that nobody's ever going to do this to me. We use scars to get the wrong message. And not the right one. Am I speaking to someone today? We use scars to give people the wrong interpretation of what it really means to be anointed by God, of what it really means to be called by God, of what it really means to be consecrated by God. If you had a broken heart, it wasn't the fact that your heart was broken and you shall not love again, but the revelation lies in the fact that your heart was mended again and here you are loving once more. That's the part that God wants you to tell about. We, 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 we say bitter instead of getting better. We, 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 we take in the infections of the jagged thing that come to give that scar and we're on antibiotic. Some of us are still on medication from the last heartbreak that the world gave us and we're still infirm by the iniquities that life has given us. Am I in the building somehow, somewhere? So here in this final moment of this Scar Sermon series, I want to give further and also a, a different interpretation of the pain and the anguish that you've been through, the, through life or the circumstances that you may not stay bitter, but that you may get better because God intended it for you to go through it, Joe. God called you out. God said to Satan, have you considered my servant? There's something special on the inside of you. There's something that I've placed in you. Before your own birth, before you created, before you were passionate and then wonderfully made, I placed something on the inside of you. And there is a serpent by the name of Satan that I have created. That when he gives the final blow, out of you, yes, it will hurt, but out of you will flow rivers of living water. Don't you know that I'm doing something special in your life? It is not a coincidence that when God told Moses to smite the rock the first time that water came out, there is a duality in being human. Yes, we hurt when we go through, but in our hurting comes glory. In our hurting comes pain. Comes pain. In our hurting comes the praises of God. You gotta understand that I got a special anointing upon me. I got a special calling in me. I got a special gift that no matter no weapon form against me shall prosper. Don't you know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthen me? Don't you know that I feel no evil? Because though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I wish I had somebody preaching back to me. These pains, these light afflictions, these infirmities, these iniquities were Break you, he's 
now and then, things have to be, uh, what do you call that when the, when the computer has said, updated. I'm going to let that feature for a minute. Some things have to be updated. Nobody's telling you not to love. You just can't love like 1980. Oh, Lord, yeah. Open this up a little because I'm I, I said, ain't nobody telling you not to give, you just can't give like 1990. Yeah. <laughs> ain't nobody telling you not to trust, you just can't trust like the two thousands. So, so, so you have to be broken down every now and then and restructurize, refresh, retissue together that God can give you now a new understanding. Look at the example that God gave us in the name of Jesus. He came in the form of humanity, was broken for our iniquity just to be regenerated in the same likeness, in the same form, but with bigger power. <laughs> Destroyed, struck down, shipwrecked, was in the water, floating. 
ball back. They never call. <laughs> you look at your phone. You ever call your house phone with your cell phone to make sure your phone is on? I am the real deal. I'm sorry. Like, it's on. He said he was going to call me. You put on your good clothes and waiting for him. Clothes wrinkled already. Start taking your shoes off. You don't get comfortable. And you get so comfortable where, like, if he does call, you can just jump right in like you just got done. It happens to men, too. But Paul was comparing with the Corinthian church, letting them know that, listen, in my infirmities, I'll boast about the weak part of what I've gone through. I boast about the pain. I boast about the incision. I boast about the stabbing. I boast about the cut. I'm boasting about the pre-scarring situation. So, when he gets to Corinthians 12, chapter 12, he separates the boasting and he gives it to a man that he says he does not know, only God knows. And what Paul is doing over here is that in his weakness, he is comparing his humanity. But in his triumph, he is comparing his divinity. So he is saying, when I go down, I'm human. But when I come up, I'm divine. There's two natures in me. And I dare not be foolish enough to take the glory from a divine person just to exalt the human person. Because you were meant to be human to bear the infirmity. You were meant to be human because in your bearing there comes out a glory. In your bearing there comes out fruit. In your bearing there comes out multiplicity. There is something that Satan has not caught to yet that every time he strikes you, glory emanates from you. Every time he strikes you, Man, when I was like 
little thing. Usually all my, my children, they're all tall. Yeah, they get that from me. I just didn't know. <laughs> and I shut up in a growth spur from my seventh to eighth grade. Seventh to eighth grade, man, I started playing basketball, I started playing football. I went like this to this. It's like I ate a mushroom from Mario World. <laughs> but everybody always thought I was skinny and scrawny. And I did not know that I had so much fight in me until I was pushed the wrong way. <laughs> you do not know how much you have in you until you're pressed, you olive, between a rock and a hard place. You don't know how much oil you have in you until God keeps squeezing and squeezing and squeezing out of you. Some of you come home, you can't pray for another person, but yet the phone is ringing. Some of you can't give another God because you're packing now. It's in the negative, but yet people are asking you. Some of you can't give another ride, but yet people are calling for you to come out. Don't you know the power that is in you? If you only stop looking at your resource and tap into God's resource, Jesus never turns in his pocket. He turns into God. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord. Yeah. 
So many scars throughout my body. So many scars throughout my body. I got this one scar at the bottom of my foot that a three-inch piece of glass I worn through when I was, I would say, about maybe four or five years old. I was in the Dominican Republic. I got a dog. They gave me a dog. And the dog ran away. So I went to look after the dog. And I went to jump over a ditch that was full of mud. And when I jumped, I slipped. And my right foot <coughs> went through the mud. I didn't think anything of it. I pulled it out. And when I pulled it out, there was a three-inch piece of glass in my foot. The doctor said that it was centimeters away from a main artery that goes from your foot back up to your body. So he says to me, I was supposed to die. If I would have stepped down on it, I was supposed to die. And I want to say the technology of uh, medicine in my country at that time was not as advanced. As a matter of fact, when they stitched me up, they did it wrong because I caught an infection and my foot should have been amputated. I remember the pain vividly. I remember the mud all the way up to my thigh, <clears throat> and I never found a daggone dog. <laughs> but that's the pain part. That's that's the human part. You want to hear the divine part? The divine part was when I came out of the mud. A friend of the family. I was in the middle of nowhere, like all the way down in my town. That's like. I don't even remember, but that's like from here, from here to like Lakewood High School. That's how far I was from my house. Four years old, walking. And around there, a friend of my family saw me limping. And he took me up, put me on a motorcycle, and took me to the emergency room where they were able to remove the glass and sew me up. And the divine part of that was that Satan was supposed to kill me but God let me live to show me that I have a purpose. Now, I did not give new meaning to that scar until God gave me my life. There are scars in your life right now that Jesus is trying to give new meaning to. Because to me, this scar is a no weapon formed against you type of scar. To me, that scar is that you can do all things to Christ who strengthens you, type of scar. Yes. To me, that scar is that I was fearfully and wonderfully made for his purpose, type of scar. Right, come on. Mm -hmm. And we have to give new meaning Lord, to our scars in our life. Yes. Because there's two natures in you. No wonder that Satan keeps trying to destroy you, to distract you, to obliterate you. No wonder that Satan is always on your back. Because there's something in you and around you that he just cannot destroy. He just cannot bring down. He just cannot obliterate. Why? Because there is something in you that God has created that Satan himself can even destroy. Uh, Hallelujah. That's awesome. If I was you, I'll be walking with a little bit more confidence. Amen. Amen. I'm trying to, we got a church today. I'm trying to be heard. <laughs> I got a little 
pray more. I got to pray more. This is going to bless you. This is going to bless you. Amen. I love to do that. Help me come down to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Go to verse 7. This is, this is good here. Look what he says. He talks about the thorn in the flesh. Somebody say thorn. Thorn. <coughs> talks about the thorn. Thorn in the flesh. Thorn in the flesh. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thorn in the flesh. You ever caught a splinter? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you, you, you're trying to... You're trying to handle something greater than you and the smallest part gets in you. I'm going to say that again. You're, you're trying to handle something greater than you and the smallest part gets in you. Now you thought the biggest part caused the pain. <laughs> but it's the smallest Minute. They're not inconsiderate. We're watching thorns. But the smallest minute thing that causes the biggest pain. You could preach a heck of a sermon, teach a great class, encourage millions of people. And that one post, that one friend, that one member, that one leader, that one confidant, that does not manage. Mm-hmm. Hurts the most. You have encouraged so many great people. I, I encourage people every day. Mm-hmm. And I come home sometimes and they could be something like something small for my kids to say something like this. Oh man, it's mm-hmm. Smallest thing hurts. I was working one time, I was redoing a deck. I was finishing the deck and polishing the deck, sanding it, painting it. And we got the job done and I went to put the last nail in. And I went to put the last nail in my hand just grazed and I caught a splinter inside my hand. Man, and that thing hurt. <laughs> and I tried to get my razor knife and you know I did a man thing. Y'all, y'all see us do man things at work. I said, oh my god, no, don't do that. He got the razor knife. Go in there and I'm cutting, cutting, cutting. And that thing would not come out. Stayed in there. So I said to myself, you know what? Ultimately, the nail will grow out. Y'all ready for this? And my flesh will push the thorn out. Mm. All right. Come on, man. So I had to leave the thorn in there for three weeks till my nail grow. How many nails grow slow? No, no, But every day, when I put pressure on that spot, it hurts. I was just looking at it. See the nail growing, blood was forming, but the flesh was pushing, pushing, pushing the thorn out. So eventually three weeks passed, and it did. It actually pushed it out to the point where I was able to pull it out. And the pressure was so alleviated. And the point I'm trying to make with this is that sometimes there are thorns that come into your life to create something in you or to bring a certain type of pain, but also to show you that you have been created to push things that are obstructing you out of your way. You were created for success. Your success is inevitable. So if a thorn can go in you, it can also come out of you. 
process. He says, mm. at least I should be exalted above measure yeah. by the abundance of revelation. I'm going to read it again. At least I should be exalted above measure. This, this, this man here, this humanity, this human condition here, goes through certain pains and iniquities because this man here, the divine man, has an abundance of revelation and power and exaltation that if this man here ever gets with this man here, the two of you will be unstoppable. But this one gets buffeted so that this one gets exalted. And you are complaining about this one, but you're neglecting this one. If you only let this one get buffeted and work with this one, the abundance of revelation that this one will give you, he'll tell you, leave them there because you need this to get to this. Of Eve, or because of the purpose he had to Eve, 
Husband, cover your wife. Husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. There is a Jewish idiom that says that it was meant for Adam to sin because he did it in protection of the woman. It was meant for Christ to die because he did it in protection of his woman. What comes from the side of God? What comes from Eve came from the side of Adam. Eve came from the side of Adam. Please do not take this the wrong way, but catch the revelation. Look at somebody say, catch the revelation. Eve came from the side of Adam when God came to the first punishment. He spoke to the serpent and he spoke to the woman and he spoke to the man. You have to understand that the thorn on the side of the man's side was his woman. It was the thorn. The thorn was his purpose. It was it was something that hurt him, but at the same time, it was what he was made for. What you talking about? I'm a thorn in my husband's side. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying, but yes, I'm kind of saying it in the same way because if he's your husband, you are his thorn. You are the purpose that he has to do life the way he does it with you on the side. Yet you hurt him. Yet you talk about him. Yet you do. But guess what? He still got you on his side. He still got you right there where he loves you. He still got you right there. No matter how painful it is, he still got you right by his side. Oh, y'all don't believe me. Y'all don't believe me. Stop that. Let me fast forward it and take your lesson off. Oh, my God. Let me fast forward it and take you all the way to a little bit closer to a God man that we call Christ. A man that hung on the cross. A man, watch this, that was on the cross, but the cross was not on him. Oh, I'm going to put it this way. I'm going to put it this way. He was on the thorn, but the thorn was not in him. Who, when he expired and gave up his spirit, in order to completely check if he was done with his task, he was pierced where? The Bible said that out of his side came out blood and what? Which signifies the baptism of the church. Out of his side came the church. Your baptism, your purpose, your salvation came through the piercing of his side. You are birthed out of his iniquity. You are birthed out of his pain. You are birthed out of his chastity. You are birthed out of his hurt. You are birthed out of his death. Out of his death comes your life. So when he was pierced on the side, you are the thorn on Christ's side. So now, theologians, Put your thinking caps on. That when Paul speaks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and he's referring to the Corinthian church of all the things that he has gone through for their sake. He has been shipwrecked for them. He has been in prison for them. He has been left for death for them. Everything for them. So when he says, Lord, I pleaded three times, Paul came to Corinthians three times. I pleaded three times that you may remove this thorn from my side. But God said, my strength is perfect. Paul's thorn on the side was Corinth. Always has been Corinth. He had no problem with Ephesus. Galata, great. All these other churches was great. But Corinth was the one that was giving him the most problem. Uh, (laughs) Look how 
was not something new. It has been done for eons of years. But when Christ was on the cross, we now see the cross as a symbol of our salvation. Prior to Christ, the cross was a symbol of shame. Just what I need. 
exactly what I need. It's sufficient. It's enough. He measured it. He took his time. He measured it one by one. He lifted it up. He put the scale. He said it's enough. Oh, no, take a little bit on Holy Spirit. Put a little bit back. You got just what you need. It's just enough. Stop looking for all the people. Stop looking for all the ministry. Stop looking for them. Stop looking for them. God has placed you. His faith is sufficient. I can deal with that. Because it's offensive, it's right enough. He knew death will come. He knew rejection will come. He knew poverty will come. He knew poverty will come. But no weapon. I said no weapon. I got it just enough. Somebody shall That's why nobody can kill you. That's why nobody can destroy you. That's why Satan has not succeeded. He's still in business because of you. He's still employed because of you. He's still Okay. 
to Hosea. He says, therefore, behold, I will hedge up your way with what? With thorns and wall her in so that she cannot find her path. When pain comes, the first thing we try to do is find our own path. Somebody hit you with your do. Take it back. Eye for an eye, two for two. Come on, that's humanity. But God said, I'm going to hedge up the path with thorns that you stay on course. Because at the end of that path, there's something great that awaits you. And sometimes, dude, the path may be a little difficult. And you're going to try to go through the thorns, but I put the thorns there to get you back in line. To get you back on the path. You're going to try to find your own way, but the thorns hurt too much. So they come back to unlock you. God said to Paul, I must show him the things he must suffer for my sake. Here it is, 14 years later, Paul is saying, remove this storm from me. You forgot the prayer that you said. See, your purpose was to be an apostle to the church, whether they are Galata or Corinth. You are here for my purpose. You can't just love in the church. You got to love out there too. You can't just give in here. You got to give out there too. So thorns come to keep us hedged in into what God has for us. Amen? Yeah. I want to share this with you. About three to four weeks back. Man, I'm doing good. You know my testimony started my business. <clears throat> doing good. Getting jobs. Giving God glory. Boom, one of my trucks breaks down. One of my trucks breaks down. And I break down in the middle of the road like that, pulling a machine. Didn't know what to do. My wife shows up, and I mean, she is praying heaven down. And I'm just rolling my eyes at her. Ain't no time for praying here. We gotta get a tow truck. You got like that sometimes. Your flesh shows up. Yes, amen. I thank God for her, but she is praying. I mean, speaking in tongues and everything. And we got the other truck. Luckily, they had another truck that was not registered yet. I was able to bring it, swapped it off, put the machine on that one, little down, drove off. The truck, sitting there for about three weeks, never got fixed. Two weeks after the first truck broke down, my second truck breaks down. I'm now because I'm not mad. Now I'm just like, really? Bro, what's going on? I work for you. I prophesy for you. I do all these things. Constantly trust for you. It just breaks down. Try to fix it, can't fix it. Paid a guy X amount of money, a lot of money. He came down, couldn't even get it started. I'm like, money going on. I had to rent a truck. Putting money out there. I was working to rent the truck. Everybody making money. Everybody making money. Except me. I'm mad. I said, I'm like, I'm at the edge. I'm to jump off. Told my wife, shutting everything down. Quitting. That's it. God, again, you were my God. You want to do this? God, why am I going to do this? And I'm preaching through all these things. Scars, scars, scars. Why me, though? You ever felt like that? Like, you preach about something, you talk about it, like, 
be exempt from that? Yeah. <laughs> like I'm talking about that, I should be exempt from that. But when Paul was talking in the Corinthians 11, he was saying, he was talking about the boasting, his infirmity. He said, I'm not exempt from what you go through. Right. I go through the same thing you go through. Here it is, two weeks, putting money out. I told my wife, I said, you know what? That's it. We're going to shut this down. And he got his punishment. And he may have this or not, whatever. I'm sorry, look, throw all my life. It's like a brother that's what I do wrong. You get like that. You get religious. Second week, do a job. Gentlemen, I do a job for him. I supposed to give me a money. I said, sir, I need that money. Found a car, found a car online. I'm going to give a down payment. Get both my trucks in. And the interest rate was going to rob me blind. I mean, I had to dig a deeper hole in order to get out. And I said to myself, I get out whenever. That's how desperate I was. Ever been there? Because I needed to keep making <clears throat> Speak to the gentleman. Gentleman says to me, listen, do this, do that, talk to this person, talk to that. Make sure they give it this rate that way. He says to me, do you mind if I go with you to the dealership? In my mind, I was going to say, no. I got to be a man about this. I got to take this. But before I said that, the Holy Spirit said, shut up. Back off. I got it from him. And I tell you this, in all honesty, I did not say one more word after that. I said, yes. Brandon did a couple things. He came to the dealership with me. Sat down with the guy. God was giving me a stomach interest rate. The car that we were going to buy was going to cost me $10,000 more than what it originally cost it. And he looked at me and he said, right there, my heart just dropped. I said, well, Yes, this company don't shut down. He says to me, let's step outside with me. Steps outside with me. And he says, this is not for you. The number is not right. You're going to dig yourself in a bigger hole. Trust me, I know finances. I said, sir, I trust your judgment. I trust everything that you say. I believe you're God's sake. So if you say no, I'll walk out of here and I'll continue to rent my home people. It's okay. He says, did you test your other person? Yeah, test your other said, adequate. Yes, it's sufficient. But he said, and I said, it's sufficient for me. He says, okay, let's go back in. Goes back in, negotiates with the guy one more time. The guy's not budging. He says to the guy, if I buy it cash, how much would it cost? The guy said, he looks around laughing, and he said, well, this is the price cash. Looks at me. Spirit God tells me. Don't say one word. I got it. Looks at me and he says, You're a good man. You're doing a good work for God. Brings out his checkbook. Buys the truck. Oh, this is a nearly $20,000 truck. It's not my brother. He's not my mother. He's not a blood relative. He is a human being. 